Excellent. Thank you very much. Would you take your Bibles with me? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to continue our series about the culture of the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. First Corinthians chapter 11. I want to start off with another verse, though. Mark chapter 3 and verse 25. The Bible says this. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. I don't like giving you illustrations of when I grew up because I wasn't the best kid. In fact, I was telling somebody, uh, Zoe got to go to Jackie's class for the first time today. And I asked her how it went. And she said, oh, she was terrible, just terrible. And uh, I said, there are so many times I had to walk down the center aisle of the church and sit on the front row while the pastor was preaching because I had gotten in trouble in class. It's disgusting. But one of these times I got in trouble was my brother and I would be playing basketball. My dad would come out. He'd say, hey, you two against me. we say, all right, no problem. And this, at this time, both of us could easily take my dad. Easily. Well, interestingly enough, pretty soon, we would begin fighting. I would tell my brother it was his fault for not stopping my dad. And he would yell at me and say it was my fault for stopping it, for not getting to the ball fast enough, and you can't make a shot if your life depended on it, and all of these things. And without a doubt, I would end up, both of us would end up swinging at each other at some point. And my dad would never really get us in trouble, but he would just laugh. And I always wondered, Dad, why are you laughing? And at one point, he finally gave away his secret. If I can get you two fighting, I will win every time. My dad didn't care about our character. He just cared about winning. That's all he cared about. He didn't try to teach us any lessons, just cared about winning. But that was something that I learned, something interesting that I always thought very funny. And honestly, to be dead honest, had we been a team, we would have killed him. We would have won. It would have been so easy to win, yet we were a house divided. And we could not stand up against him. But the same thing is going on here with the church at Corinth. They have discussed meat offered to idols. How many of you understand everything that's entailed with meat offered to idols? Good, me neither. Okay? We also, last week, we, we discussed the head and hair and covering and all of those things. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't understand all that that entails, but we all have a head. We all have somebody who, to whom we answer to, and all in all, we end up answering to God. And now this week, we're going to discuss eating. Eating. It's wonderful. Now again, please understand, as you look at this passage, I'm going to be honest with you, there are, there's so much in here I don't understand. I don't get the cultural references. I don't understand what exactly he means. But let's look at the passage together. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and look at verse 17 with me. The Bible says this. Now in this that I declare unto you, watch this here. I praise you not that ye come together not for the better but for the worse. For first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you. And I partly believe it. For there must be also 
heresy among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. Verse 20, when ye come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, every one taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. What? Have ye not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? And he says, I praise you not. I want to preach to you a message that I've entitled, The Culture of Division. The Culture of Division. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to be here this evening. And Father, you did not die on the cross for us to be divided. You died on the cross for us to be unified, not only to you, but to each other. And continue to move forward in our lives and be a prevailing church. Father, I pray that as we look at this division tonight... I pray that you would help us to be a church that's united. Help us not to be divided in any way, shape, or form, but help us to be united in all things, and especially in you. We love you so much. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, here's my educated guess, or slightly less educated guess, on what I think is going on here. It appears that people are bringing food into the church, meals to eat. As if they're saying, this is the Lord's Supper. This is something that is good. This is something that we should do. I mean, let's, let's bring it to the church and it'll be more holy. So that's what we do. All, oftentimes, we have fellowship. Baptists are famous for this, all right? And if you eat in a church, it's obviously more holy than if you eat at home, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but here's the thing. People, they were coming and they were not sharing with people who are hungry. They're not sharing with people who are, uh, that really need it. In fact, if there was any sharing going on, it appeared that it was going on with people that liked each other. So let's just, for instance, say I like this group of people tonight. You are my friends. You are the best people on earth, and I'm going to bring a meal in, and we're all going to eat. I don't like any of these people. My wife's over here. Maybe I should have thought about this a little differently. My wife's over here, and I don't like all these people, and I don't like all, what, what they do and what they stand for. So listen, you are not allowed to partake in our meal. All of a sudden, a division is happening. Now, I don't know that that's what's happening. That's just what appears to be happening in this passage. Nonetheless, there is a division going on. There is something divisive that is splitting these people apart. So in this, they were creating what we would like to call tonight a culture of division. Something that divided people, but also continued to divide people. It just became something that was cultural in the church. The facts of division in a church are what we want to focus on tonight. Understand this. If there are divisions in Bible Baptist Church, we will not stand. We will not move forward, we will not advance, we will not progress, we will not prevail. The Bible says that God's church, Jesus' church, upon this rock will I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Listen, if we are not unified in Christ, we are not God's church. That is completely opposite of God's church. God's church is unified. 
and moving forward, it is a prevailing church. So I want to give you several things that we can look at about divisions tonight. Number one, divisions are not praiseworthy. Divisions are not praiseworthy. Look with me in verse 17. The Bible says, Now this, in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that ye come together not for the better, but for the worse. You're coming together for the worse. I mean, it's making things worse. It's not making things good. And he says, I praise you not. Some of you are thinking, Pastor Yeomans, that's pretty obvious. We know divisions are not praiseworthy. But sometimes I think we think that it is a glorious thing to divide from somebody. Well, I'm not like so-and-so or... I, I'm better than they are, and we think it's this awesome, uh, a glorious thing. But let me be very clear. There are times in the Bible where, the, where God says to separate from people. They're very clear. We can take some time at another time and go through those things. But those times are very explicit as to what we are to separate from. I don't think any of that's going on here today at Bible Baptist Church. So in reality, there should be no divisions. Some of us have thought that it's a good idea to divide ourselves from people based on preference. All of the things that you will find in the Bible when you are supposed to divide from somebody is based around doctrine. Doctrine, not preference. Now understand, I have a different personality than most. I have somewhat of a, almost a repelling personality at times. I remember going to a place when we were in college and uh, I was acting my normal self and somebody asked, who is that guy? He is nuts. I don't want to have anything to do with him. So I understand that personality-wise, yes, we can repel some people. But listen, that, that's a natural thing. That doesn't mean you have to be best friends. But you can still be unified. Divisions are not praiseworthy. We are different. In fact, we are under one body. And so we need to be unified. Listen, my eyes do not do the same thing as my nose. They don't. They're completely different. They're shaped completely differently. It's completely a different organ. You understand that we are the body of Christ. And members in particular, God has placed us in this body for a reason. We'll look at that in a bit in chapter 12. But understand this, division in the church is not praiseworthy. It's not something good to be excited about. God died so that we could have unity in him. That we could be one as Jesus and God are one. That's the point. So it's not praiseworthy. It's not something to clap about. It's not something to get excited about. Division is not praiseworthy. Number two, divisions tear down. Divisions tear down. Look again at the end of verse 17. That you come together not for the better, but for the worse. Let me ask you, when you come to Bible Baptist Church, are you coming to get better and for better? I am. I do not want to come to a church that makes me feel worse. I do not want to come to a church that makes it feel like there's an oppression here. Nobody does. And so it's for the better, not, or for the worse, not for the better. Part of the purpose of the church is to edify and exhort believers. To encourage them, 
to lift them up, to build them up. That's what edify means. That's the whole purpose of the church. That's the whole purpose of us coming together is to edify and exhort believers. But church is for the bettering of the saints. Church is so that you can come and be refreshed and, and move forward and, and gain some encouragement, some fellowship, moving forward, getting better. Understand this, divisions do not build up. They tear down. Divisions make it worse for the saints of God. Divisions make it worse. When you are at odds with someone in the church, it does not excite you about coming together. Listen, if my wife and I are having what we like to call a discussion, how excited are we to see each other? Mm, not really, because we don't, we don't want to have this discussion we don't want to go through this tension we don't want to do that listen and that same is true for people in the church it doesn't excite you oh to get all dressed up and come to hear the word of God when you got somebody sitting behind you that you just can't stand that you're just struggling with it it's, it's not exciting listen divisions tear down it discourages you it doesn't encourage you it discourages you Divisions also tear, those, tear down those around you. Now again, my wife and I are having a discussion and you walk into the room. How awkward do you feel? Some of you would say, yeah, I don't care, whatever. <laughs> Others of you would be like, oh my goodness. The same is true in the church, guys. The, you, people know when there's tension in the church. People know when there's problems. People can, you can feel it. You, we always say you can cut tension with a knife. It's so thick in here you can cut it with a knife. It makes you feel uncomfortable. Listen, there's a world around here. There are other believers around you that are going through and, and feeling this tension. It's uncomfortable not only for you, but it's uncomfortable for everyone around. Divisions not only tear those around you, but it also tear down the other party, the other people involved. Let's say, James, you get your, you're the lucky fella tonight. You're sitting right up front. Thank you. Nobody will ever sit up front. Daryl's a little closer, but I like James. Let's say James and I disagree on something. We disagree so harshly and so badly that I can't even stand to look at James. I can't stand to see him. Understand this. You know what the natural progression is? The natural progression is for me to go to Daryl now and say, do you know what James did? And then immediately, you know what I start doing? I start defaming his character. It's no longer about the, the discussion that we're having. I start tearing his character down. I mean, he can't even do this properly. And I mean, oh my goodness, remember 65 years ago when they did this? We begin tearing it down. We begin building what we like to call a case against them. I'm building a case. So now every time James does something that I don't like, I put that on the shelf and I hold it there for ammunition. And someday I'm going to unload on him. I got all of this stuff on him now. I, I'm just defaming his character. I'm taking it down. Listen, that is not building up. Do you see that? 
That is natural and that happens. Don't look at me like it doesn't. It happens. So listen, I don't know. I don't know if you have a a division in your heart right now with somebody. But if you're not careful, that root of bitterness will spring up and you will start defaming their character. And when you do, you better pay attention. Because you are not doing what God has created you to do and created the church to do, which is build up and, and, and exhort and continue to help people move closer to God. That's our job. And what you're doing is you're just tearing down, tearing down, and tearing down. You're completely doing the opposite of what God intended. Divisions tear down. Number three, important one. Divisions are selfish. Divisions are selfish. Divisions are selfish. I might say that about 15 more times. Divisions are selfish. Look at verse 19 with me. The Bible says this, for there must be also heresies among you. Heresies among you that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. I looked up the word heresies. In Strong's dictionary, it means this. A choice to take for oneself to prefer. A choice to take for oneself to prefer. The verse also seems to indicate that they were doing this in order to gain the well-to-do people. So listen, again, remember, all of these people, you are my friends, and I'm going to make you a meal, and I'm going to bring it into the church of God, and it's going to be something special. It's going to be a holy meal, if you will. Why? Because these people have way more money than these people do. These people have way more clout and and way more respectability than these people do, and I want to gain this favor. Why? So that I look better. So that you will like me. I don't really care about these lower people. I don't really care about the people that come from the low income side of town. I want the high income people. And so I'm going to make a meal and I'm going to bring it into the church of God. And I'm going to lay it down so that you will like me. So that you'll see me. It seems that they might be trying to bribe the approved ones. Again, that they which are approved may be manifest among you. Again, I don't know for sure that's what it looks like. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 10 says this. Only by pride cometh contention. Only by pride cometh contention. Pride and selfishness is the absolute foundation of division. Pride and selfishness is the absolute foundation for division again it does the exact opposite of what God has instructed us to do and you know what it does it makes us the important one it makes us the person who says I want to do what I want to do I don't care about anybody else I don't care about the church as a whole this is about me you say Pastor Yeomans there is no way there's no way I'm saying that. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said to me. You don't know what all the problems were. You don't know. You're correct. I don't. But this I do know. Proverbs 13:10. Only by pride cometh 
contention. Listen, it is your selfishness. It is my selfishness. When I want to do what I want to do, that causes contention. When we don't care about anyone else and we only care about ourselves, that causes division. Look at verse 21. The Bible says this, For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper. And one is hungry, and another is drunken. It's like we are taking our ideas and our problems and placing them before others. Putting them in front of others. And saying, listen, it doesn't matter what you think. This is what we are going to do. This is, this is how we are going to do this. And this is what I want to do. And I'm taking my preference and I'm putting it way above yours. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 4. The Bible says this. Let nothing, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in what? Lowliness of mind. Let each... Esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things. <laughs> Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Do you understand what that means? It means you don't matter. You know what that means? I don't matter. That's exactly what that means. I need to look at James, and I've got a problem with him, and I, I mean, he just really just hurt me. But you know what? You know what I'm supposed to do? Look not every man on his own things, but I need to look at what's going on in his life. You ever had a bad waitress? You ever had a bad waiter that's just, just not right? And you know what? This is, this is the problem. This is the focus that we get into. That was terrible service. They didn't bring my food and they didn't have my water and they this and they that. And we get this consumeristic mentality. You know what it's all based on? Me. It's all based on me. You have no idea what they went through. You have no idea. They may have just broken up with their boyfriend. They may have just got kicked out of their house. You don't know what's going on in their life and they're at work and they're going through some things. It doesn't matter if they had anything. They just might be flat out grouchy. But look, not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Listen, and that consumeristic mentality finds its way into the church more often than you care to think. Let's start with this. It starts generationally. The older generation says, oh, I don't, I don't want to do it that way. That's not how I've done it in the past. We do that. Don't think you don't, because you do. And you think, this is not what I want. This is not how I want to do this. And, and the focus becomes I instead of what God wants. Hello, the same thing happens with the younger generation. We begin looking and saying, well, we don't want to do it that way anymore. We want to do it this way. We want things to be done our way. We, we don't care what they have to say. All of these things happen. That's selfish. It's selfish. You know what we ought to be doing? We ought to be looking on every man the things of others. Older generation, you ought to be looking at the younger generation saying, what can we do to help them? 
younger generation, you ought to be looking at the older generation saying, what can we do to help them? How can we help them? They're, in a, they're in, a, in a bad spot in their life. Hey, let me help you. What can I do to come alongside and build you up and edify you? Not allowing those things to rip you apart and tear you apart. Because that's all it does. It's selfish. Listen, your spouse. I didn't intend to have marriage counseling tonight. But listen, if you're in a fight with your spouse, you're in a discussion with your spouse, it's selfish. It's selfish. There are times when you need to say, I'm sorry. There are times when you need to give in and allow your pride to go away. Well, I don't want my wife's pride to build up, so I can't let her do that. Who made you the Holy Spirit? Listen, pride brings contention. We need to look every man on the things of others. So let me ask you, who are you sitting around that you're not looking at? Who are you sitting around that you're not considering? Who are you sitting around that you just can't stand to even be near because you don't want to help them out? You know, we look at the, the model of Acts and the church in Acts, and we, 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 we are in awe by that. Do you know that the Bible gives us a little insight as to what they did? How, how they began to grow so incredibly well because of the unity that they have. I want to give you two verses. Acts chapter 2 and verse 45. The Bible says this. And sold possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. What? Are you kidding me? These people sold lands, possessions. They sold their cars. They sold their houses. They sold their land and said, hey, who has need? Let's give it to them. They began to work. They began to look every man on the things of others. They didn't go, hey, that's my land. You can't have that. Hey, hey, that's my car. You shouldn't scratch that up like that. Hey, that's my this or that or the other thing. Listen, it was none of that. It was here, take it. You have need, take it. I don't need it. Do you know why that was? I, this is honestly what I believe. I believe they thought that the coming of Jesus Christ was imminent. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe the coming of Jesus Christ is imminent? You say that, but do you live it? Listen, I'm not, I'm not advocating let's all go sell our houses, let's all go sell our lands. But I am advocating every man looking on the needs of others. Because someday we're going to live in heaven together. <laughs> do you realize that? The person that you cannot stand will probably be in heaven with you. you look every man on things. Here's another one. Acts chapter 4, verse 35. And laid them on at the, down at the apostles' feet, and, distribu and distribution excuse me, was made unto every man according as he had need. The church should not have selfish individuals. They should have giving individuals. The church should not have selfish individuals. It should have giving individuals. Number four, the visions despise the church. Divisions despise the church. Look at verse 22. What? Have ye not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not. What shall I say to you? 
Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. Divisions despise the church. Again, I looked up the word despise in Strong's Dictionary. You know what it means? To think against. To think against. Now, how many of you would say, I think against the church? No, nobody. Nobody's going to say that. Nobody's going to give that. Nobody's going to admit to that. But hear me. When there are divisions in the church, you are despising the church. You are thinking against the church. There is no care for the church whatsoever. There is no there is only care for what the individual wants. What I want. How I'm going to get it. And this is probably the biggest problem with divisions. Is that it despises the church. I've said this multiple times already, but God created the church to be unified. A unified organism that moves forward for the cause of Christ. And if you are willingly allowing divisions in your life with somebody else in this church, understand this, you despise God's church. Despise it. You're thinking against it. You're going against the grain. You're going against what God intended for the church. Now, there's not one person, we've already asked the question, there's not one person here that would raise their hand and say, I despise this church. If you do, please come talk to me. So we all want the best for the church. We all want it to move forward. We all want God to do something great here, right? I do. But if there's divisions among us, there's things that we can't reconcile, and there's things that God is, or that Satan is just allowing to sift and pull apart and, 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 and tear down, then you are dis- and, al- and you're allowing that, you're despising the church. You're saying, I have no need for the church. I have no need for fellowship. I have no need for edification. I have no need for what Christ died for. I have no need to be a part of the body of which Christ is the head. That's what you're saying. I have no need. I am better than. I, am be- I can handle it on my own. I, I'm better than. I don't need it. I'm going to think against what God has given, the institution God has given. It puts us in the way of what God is trying to do. It puts us in the way of what God is trying to do. Not in a good way. Not a good thing. This is not something, oh, yes, he stood in the way. Filled in the gap. That's not the one we're talking about. I'm talking about Jesus saying to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, kind of way. Do you know why Jesus said that to Peter? Because he was trying to get in the way of what God was trying to do. He was, oh, no, 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 you're not going to do that. No, no. He's trying to thwart God's plan of dying on the cross. Get thee behind me, Satan. Listen, you are a, an absolute despiser of the church if you will openly allow division in the church. And you are a part of that. Guys, it can't happen. You are despising the church. I want to give you number five and I'll be finished. Divisions bring shame. Divisions bring shame. Look at verse, the end of verse 22 with me. 
or despise you, the church of God, and shame them that have not. And shame them that have not. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. I believe this. I believe divisions bring shame to all involved. I believe divisions bring shame to all involved, even God. Even God. John chapter 13 and verse 35. Famous verse that we all quote. The Bible says this. By this. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. If ye have love one to another. By this shall all men know. Everybody around you will know that you're a disciple of God. If you have love one to another. You know what love does? Wait till 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That'll shake you up. Understand this. Divisions bring shame to all, of, all involved. You might say you're keeping it under your hat. You might say that nothing's wrong. You might say that nobody knows. You might say all kinds of things, but understand this. It brings shame to you. It brings shame to the other person involved. It brings shame to all those around you. It brings shame to the world. How many, how many of you would be excited to be a part of a church or to be a part of Christianity that doesn't get along? Nobody. Nobody wants to. Listen, how do you expect to be an effective witness for God when your life is full of division? When your church is full of division, how do you expect that other people want the knowledge of Jesus Christ? Listen, because they have division all day, every day. You guys spend time with people in the world. You know what people talk about. You know they talk about other people. You know that your workplace is not completely unified. You know all of those things. Don't allow that culture to permeate this church. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. Divisions in the church at Corinth were a serious issue that Paul wanted to take care of. And divisions at Bible Baptist Church are a serious issue that must be taken care of. You might say, Pastor Yeomans, how do we deal with divisions? How do we deal with them? The Bible has a prescription if you have knowledge of anybody that has fault with you, you go to him alone and you go talk to him. I've had people talk to me over the last couple years and say, here's a question I have. Listen, thank you. That's the right way to do that. And if I know that I have fault with you, you have fault with me or vice versa, count on me coming to you. Because that's the biblical method. Go to them. Talk to them. Listen, and then this. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. I've had people say, oh, I just won't say anything. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible says a soft answer turneth away wrath. And it says go to them alone. That's, that's what we're to do. Let's go. Let's start talking about, well, what if they won't? Pastor Holland preached a wonderful message. Listen, 
just keep the hand out. It's always there. It's always there. Extend that right hand and say, listen, it's always there for you. I will always give it. Listen, I may not, you may not be willing to forgive me, but I am willing to forgive you. And I don't care if you ever take my forgiveness. It's always there. Do you know that's what Jesus did? Jesus has people right now that are completely rejecting him, but yet his hand is still outstretched. His nail-pierced hand is still saying, here it is. Just take it. Forgiveness is for everyone. Can I challenge you with this? If a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Let's not let that happen here at Bible Baptist Church.